Hey Criers, I'm Sarah Ann. I'm Haley. And I'm Rachel. And we are here to prove to you that there is crying in baseball. Welcome back to another episode of There Is Crying in Baseball. We have a very exciting episode for you today as we are recording with our very first live in-studio guest. Um, Unfortunately, that means we are down a crier this week. Rachel is traveling out living her best life, but we will catch up with her on all of her travels next week. So without further ado, let's introduce our very special guest. It feels like she's been on the podcast already since we talk about her almost every week, and she's been a huge supporter since day one. She is a dedicated and lifelong Cardinals fan, an actress, a singer, a fitness coach, a mentor, a wife, a sister, a daughter, and a great friend to many. She is the creator and host of Peace, Love, and Baseball podcast and co-host of Babes, Babes podcast. Please welcome to the show, at K-Bird Tweets, Kelsey Bird. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. How's it going? Thanks for coming on. Uh, Kelsey, we are going to get you to know you a little better here in a minute, but we like to start the show each week with a little catch-up of how we're all doing. So tell us, how are you? How was your week? You know what? I feel like I had a... A little bit more of a exciting week, at least for me. I'm not always super exciting, but uh, September Same. is my favorite month, so I'm glad that we're into September. And at the end of August, uh, earlier, I guess last week, I got to celebrate my husband's birthday, so we had oh. a little fun around <laughs> that. We had the day before his birthday, we were both off of work, so we decided to like go out to dinner to celebrate. And there was this place that I had heard of that I had been wanting to try because a friend of mine posted pictures of her meal there like months ago. And it just stuck with me. I'm really big on vibes. If you've listened to even mm-hmm. one episode of Peace, Love, and Baseball, you'll probably pick <laughs> yeah. up on that. But I, I don't know. There was something that just spoke to me about this place. And There's not a lot about it online because it was started like in April by three chefs from like other fancy, nice restaurants in the Chicago area where I live. And they collaborated together to open this spot that is like more of a neighborhood spot. It is not in downtown Chicago at all. It's in one of Mm -hmm. the more like residential neighborhoods, uh, still very much in the city of Chicago, but not what maybe like tourists would assume or associate with Chicago. So it's about 15, 20 minute drive from where we live and I'd been wanting to go check it out. And yeah, we just kind of took a chance on it and we're like, let's go see what it's all about. Have either of you watched uh, The Bear, the TV show, the FX TV show, The Bear? I haven't yet. No. No. Okay. It's about- I don't really watch a lot of TV. So I my answer is almost always no. <laughs> it's about a a chef who like goes off and leaves his hometown of Chicago and he works at, you know, some of the best fine dining restaurants all over the world and then comes back and kind of opens up a spot that is very reminiscent of like this type of spot to me. So it's a very popular TV show that I know a lot of people are into. Like season two just came out uh, a month or so ago. And then oh, the movie, the other movie that I would reference it to is uh, have either of you seen the menu? Mm hmm. You should also check that out because it's like a satirical comedy and it's brilliant, but it really just highlights, it kind of like drew my attention to the world of food and chefs as like creating art. And I just had never thought about it that way. I I haven't had a lot of close relationships with people in that world, but my husband worked in fine dining when he lived in New York City uh, in his early twenties when he was doing like the 
the actor, you know, server thing. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so he has a really great appreciation for that. So I was like, okay, this will be the perfect opportunity, his birthday for us to go to this special restaurant and check it out. And it was just an experience like anything, unlike anything I have ever had before. Have either of you been to uh, like a Michelin star restaurant before? Yes. I have have not. not. And I really didn't know. I wouldn't know what that meant other than like watching (laughs) the bear and the menu. So it was, I I don't believe it is a Michelin star restaurant because I don't think it's been open long enough to like be credited Mm -hmm. with that. But it is definitely along those lines. Like that's the idea. They don't have a set menu. So they're only open, I think like Friday through Monday, like in the evenings. There's no set menu. There's no reservations. But we came up about like 6.20 p.m. They had opened at 6. We had to wait a few minutes to get to the host stand. And then they told us we could, you know, they could take our name and they would send us a text and we could come back and sit down when we were ready or their patio was open and we could go sit on the patio and have drinks and appetizers. And we were like, well, we want to have drinks and appetizers anyway, so let's do it. And we sat out there, which was just like, it was a lovely day. So that worked out really well for us. But um, our, we had a couple appetizers. We ha- each had a really delicious cocktail. And then when we got to come inside and have like the full dining experience, we had entrees, which we like each got one, but we shared them. We had a dessert. We had another round of drinks. And then the, the, one of the head chefs, like of the three of them was, I don't know if he was just the one that was working that night, but he was making a point to serve at least one course to every single table and make that touch point and like have conversations with people. And I'm just everything from like the lighting to the music they were playing to the wallpaper in the bathroom. It was like such a unique experience and the food was incredible and clearly like very thoughtfully put together and locally sourced. So it was a really special experience. It was called Warlord. And if you are in the Chicago area, it's in the Avondale neighborhood. It's completely unmarked on the outside. So you would never even like (laughs) know what it was unless you were looking for it. But check it out because the other amazing thing about it was like I didn't have to save up for, you know, half a year to afford to go there. Like I would have spent the same going out to eat and having, you know, that amount of food and a couple rounds of drinks at any restaurant really in Chicago. So it was more than worth it for the experience that we had. And that was really cool and special. And then I had a pretty normal work week other than that. But a couple days ago on Saturday night, we decided to go up to Milwaukee because we're only just over an hour from there. And we went to the Brewers and the Phillies game. Because you're here for (laughs) <laughs> Who did no. you cheer for? Okay, well the the Brewers won. So and and obviously like I was at American Family Field surrounded by Brewers fans. I got to meet one of the girls from the Brewers Babes podcast who I had on my podcast oh, yeah. this season. So that was really cool. So I'm not going to say like I I really don't feel like I cheered for one team over the other, which was also really strange. I'm sure you have both had those experiences yeah. going to games where like the Cardinals are not playing. But we literally were just like, yay, baseball. Like everyone is having fun (laughs) and the exciting moments. And so I hadn't been to a game like that in a while where I didn't Mm -hmm. have like a vested interest necessarily in who won because a lot of people were like, oh, cheer for for the Brewers because we want to keep the Cubs out of it. But really the Phillies could keep the Cubs out of the playoffs too. So I don't know. And then, you know, I I love to see pitchers duels. So I would have been super into seeing Aaron Nola have a really great game. He did not, but um, I did see. He's just getting ready for his, uh, to come over to the Cardinals. (laughs) 
Exactly. Yeah. I was like, uh, <laughs> Nola's auditioning for me to come to the Cardinals and he's uh, living yep. up to that Cardinal expectation of starting pitchers right now. So, um, yes. yeah, no, that was not great, but I did see Sal Freelich make a really awesome catch in center field and had some good action at the plate as well. So all I of you guys that. really contributed in that game. And it was just, have either of you ever been there before to American family? No, field? no, not yet. It is, and I'm, I, I'm speaking in direct comparison to Wrigley field and guaranteed rate in Chicago, because that is where I have been, especially recently, like more often, but it is just a, a, an elite experience. It is very similar in terms of the experience that you're going to have at Bush stadium where it's very family oriented. It's very clean. It, everything is just a little bit more spread out. So it's super accessible. The food is amazing. The beverage options are, you know, very wide ranged and enjoyable. So for as long there's as there's no cup me, snake, there's no cup snake, never seen one. Amazing. <laughs> but yeah, and they have a lot of little fun activities that you can do, whether you're, you know, a kid or an adult throughout the ballpark. And it just, it takes me, you know, an hour in traffic to drive to Wrigley Field or Guaranteed Rate these days. And then to <laughs> to park and actually get inside is like a whole nother nightmare. So I might as well uh. take the same amount of time and go up to Milwaukee, honestly. So yeah. I would, uh, that's a, a recommendation I would have for, for anyone and everyone who has easy access to that as well. It was a good time. I would love to go see my my Brewers boys there. That'd be so much It's fun. so worth it. It's just like a really fun town to visit too. So I'll allow it. So do you think that do you think that all the discourse about Milwaukee needing to relocate and build a new stadium is granted like warranted or cuz I, I didn't think it was in such a bad condition that they really needed to do that. I will say that it was really encouraging to see the, the announced attendance uh, was like over 36,000, which I absolutely believe it really felt like there was that many people there. But normally, like other times that I have been there and the last time I would have been there, probably I think on Easter was actually the last time that oh, I was yeah. there. Um, there was probably less than 20,000 people. And I think that is more standard. Mm. So okay. and even the last time I was in Milwaukee, um, just a few weeks ago, we were at a baseball themed brewery and mm. baseball was on, on one of the TVs. And then like the other 10 TVs, there was like preseason football and other stuff on. Ugh. And I was the only person Barf. watching <laughs> baseball. Oh and I was so sad because I was like, this is why. So I don't think there's anything, there's any merit to them relocating. Mm. I don't think they ultimately will. But I okay. think the the noise around it comes from the fact that, yeah, they do have a hard time like bringing in a crowd consistently. But hopefully, mm -hmm. you know, that's just another reason why I'm, I'm not necessarily mad to see the team having some success. And they are still, all things considered, like a younger franchise. So, mm -hmm. you know, with the season the Cardinals have had, I think we can allow the Brewers <laughs> to have their time. I'd rather see them than the Cubs, honestly. The Cubs. So yeah. if it means that they can stay in Milwaukee and and keep having that experience there, like I don't think that they will relocate. I don't think they should, mm -hmm. but they definitely need, you know, help growing excitement around the game up yeah. there. I think that's where it comes yeah. from. That makes sense. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. How was your week, Haley? Awesome. Did you do anything uh out of the ordinary, did you take any good pictures? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Actually, this whole week was out of the ordinary for me. Um, <clears throat> for work, I went on a tour. So I was out on the road last Sunday until Thursday. 
it was just like a kind of like a trial run. We do podcast tours and we were just kind of experimenting to see if they would work with the people we went out with and it went really great. But I got home after that and I slept 16 of the first 24 hours I was home. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't feel like I'm that old to where I should be having to rest that much after being gone for four days, but it was exhausting. So slept a lot. And then I went to Memphis and on the day that I got there, um, the Redbirds reached out and asked me to take photos for them. So I got to go in the dugout on the field and everything and take photos of them, which is so much fun. Um, yeah, it was so great. I got to, I, I missed Lars by one day, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah. But it was still a great experience. The guys were so nice. And actually, there was a part in the game where I was in the Stripers dugout in the camera well, and there was this kid yelling at me to give him a ball. He was like maybe four or five. And he said, give me a ball, stupid, repeatedly for like <laughs> you. like 10 minutes. And me and Michael Soroka kept looking at each other and looking back at the kid like, what is going on? And eventually he like, he backed me up and I was like, oh my God, me and Michael Soroka are best friends. Now. <laughs> because, oh my he came over and like told the kid to stop yelling at me. I was like, oh my God. Oh, where are this kid's parents? I was right there. I'm sitting a there. five-year-old child was calling anyone stupid, let alone a stranger. Like <gasps> when you're five years saying- old, stupid is a bad word. Like oh, a five-year-old will come up to you and will be like, too. that's a bad word. <gasps> what? Yeah, who are he these said, people? Give me an effing ball, and I was like, "What in the world?" <laughs> I'm like, "I'm not gonna do that." One, I can't even like. A ball got hit right over my head in the dugout and it dropped. And I'm like, "I'm not even gonna touch it because I don't." I was like, "I don't know if I'm allowed to throw this to anybody, so someone else can come get it for you." But I'm not doing it. Don't Pete Alonzo like, all over them, Haley. <laughs> <laughs> So I was like, I'm not going to touch it anyway. But also, if you're yelling at me like that, there's no way yeah. I'm going to give you a ball. And none of the guys gave the kid a ball. I was like, you can't oh, think God. that you can talk like that and yeah. get what you want. Oh, my gosh. Well done. Gosh. It was wild. But I just was happy yeah. that me and Soroka had a bonding moment. So that was really nice. That is very I'm fun. so happy for you. What um, a fun time. Yeah. Then I, I went to the game the next day. And it was really fun. I don't know. I just, I love going to Memphis. They're actually about to be in Nashville this whole week. So I'm going to see oh. them every day starting tomorrow. Oh. Uh, and I can't wait. So. Do you think you'll take more pictures again with them being in town? Um, I might not while they're in town, but okay. I think I might. I'm going to take a few days off of work in a couple weeks for their last home series because I have oh. a bunch of days to use. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go to Memphis and I might do it again then. So exciting. They turned out so good. You killed it. Yeah, the photos are amazing. I mean, they look super profesh. And (laughs) are the ones that they're actually sharing on their Instagram account, those are photos that you took? Yeah, and the ones on Twitter. That is so freaking cool. You're a celeb. Okay, I'm not quite a celeb, but how did you get into photography? Is it something that you've done for a while? I have loved it. I mean, since I was pretty young, like probably middle school I got my first camera and I always like said that I like to do it but I never really was serious about it and then about six or seven years ago I started doing it here in Nashville for concerts and events and um so it was like part-time thing for me and then eventually I was like I don't know if I really want to do this but now I'm like really missing the creative outlet and so I actually had a friend that I was talking to ask me like if you could do anything like 
in the world? Like, what would you want to do? And I answered him and I gave him like my safe answer. And I thought about it more. And I'm like, there's something more that I really want to do. But I was like too afraid to admit Mm -hmm. it and like go for it. And so kind of like just that conversation kind of inspired me to like at least try. So I did it at a sounds game like a month ago. And then, yeah, started doing it with the Redbirds. So it was really fun. It's so awesome. I'm so yeah. I'm so proud of you, and I'm so Thank happy you. for you. Yeah, that's like so a awesome. good friend. That uh, those conversations mm-hmm. can be really inspirational and helpful. It's mm-hmm. it's nice to pose that question every once in a while. Yeah. I know. And I'm the same way. Like I always go with the safe answer too, because I'm always like. I'm afraid that if I put out in the universe, like, this is what I want to do, and then I don't do it, everyone's going to come back to me and be like, you loser, you failed. But I know nobody's actually going to do that, but that's, like, my biggest fear. So I'm like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to hold it close to the chest. So it takes a lot of bravery to, like, open up and do it. And I'm just I'm so proud of you. You killed it. Yeah. Way to go. I think I I definitely agree with that. Like, it was just something that I was like, I've done it before, and I enjoyed it. But something I always felt a little, like, self-conscious about and like mm-hmm. I can com- I compare myself to everyone else when it comes to anything like artistic and stuff so I was like yeah they're better than me so like I'm not even gonna try but mm-hmm. then eventually I was like no like if you like I just need to do it and like keep doing it and I will get better and then mm-hmm. and I'll also I think enjoy it the more I do it again and I just I yeah. missed it so much I missed being creative because I mm-hmm. don't really get that outlet where I'm at now right. so. yeah yeah Super awesome. Good job, Haley. Thank you. Sarah, how was your week? My week was good. Um, I, like Kelsey was saying, I'm pretty boring. I don't really do much. And this was another one of those weeks. Um, I spent probably the entire week stressing about my upcoming birthday, which as much as I've talked about my birthday, you think that I loved my birthday and I was one of those people that made a big event out of it, but it's the opposite. I hate my birthday and I know other people like to make a big deal about it. So it gives me a lot of anxiety and stress. And so at work, when there's a birthday, we have a birthday lunch and the birthday person gets to pick where we order lunch from and the dessert. And for whatever reason, our office is filled with duplicate birthdays, either people on the same day or like two days apart. So a lot of the birthday lunches get split and like one person only has to pick the lunch and the other person can pick the dessert or whatever, you know, the, the burden is shared. And I am a yes man. I'm a people pleaser. I really genuinely don't care about like food. Like I know there's the meme about, you know, ask a girl where she wants to eat. And she says, I don't care. And then says no to everything. I'm like, I don't care. And whatever you say, I'm fine with. I will go to the first one you give me. If it's McDonald's, Taco Bell, Cheesecake Factory, a five-star restaurant, I don't care. I truly don't. And I just want everybody to be happy. And we seem to order from like the same three places all the time that are kind of boring and I'm like, I want to do something different. I want to do something good, but I want people to like it. And I started throwing out a couple ideas and people were like, eh. and I'm like, oh, okay, I don't know what to do. And so it's like all this stress, all this anxiety. I want everybody to enjoy themselves. And I usually don't partake in that part of the birthday lunches because I'm usually like trying to adhere to my macros and like eating my prepped food. So I usually just eat my own lunch that I make and I don't have the dessert. And so I'm like, if I'm finally going to partake in one, I want it to be something I like, first of all. But I want everyone else to be like, oh, Sarah picked such a great place. Um, So the whole week, I was just like on Google Maps around our office, just like looking at what there is, pulling up every single menu, pulling up every single option for dessert. And I think everybody was sick of me (laughs) throughout the entire week. They're like, 
one of them made a comment like, we're T-minus 13 days from Sarah's birthday and she is stressing about lunch. And I'm like, yes, I am. I hate it. I hate the idea of like making sure everybody's happy and satisfied and enjoys the lunch. And yeah, so that's just been my week. I've just been stressing over that and yeah, nothing, Ooh. nothing terribly exciting. I feel like I can relate to that so hard because I feel exactly the yeah. same way about mm-hmm. my birthday. Like mm-hmm. I just always have. And I think part of why we probably both feel this way is that we are the planners, right? So like I mm-hmm. love planning and making other people's yes. birthdays special, but then yes. I don't like expect anyone to do that for me or I don't like want to mm-hmm. have too high of expectations or yeah. yeah. You're, and here you are like worried about pleasing other people and making your birthday mm-hmm. about them. And yeah, yeah, I would just rather celebrate everyone else's birthday. <laughs> yeah. Guys, and I'm, I'm like, I, I'm literally planning my birthday party right now. <laughs> birthday party. That's, yeah. <laughs> um, but, and I am inviting people over for espresso martinis because everyone Aww. wants my espresso martinis all the time. Yeah. For and sure. so I'm literally hosting my own party. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <that's> fine. <laughs> I just, I hate attention. I'm like uh, the thought of, like I obviously want to get married someday, but like the thought of having a wedding and having like everyone want to talk to me and look at me like makes me sick. And like oh, I hated that part. our our office, like we have we're growing a lot. We have more people than we have room for right now, and so we have just this conference room, and we usually cram as many people in as possible. And then some of us sit outside, and my desk is like right outside of the little conference room, so I always just sit out there. Um, there's like four or five of us that will just sit outside and they always make the birthday person sit in the room. And I'm like, I am going to have a panic attack just thinking about it. I don't want to be in this room. I don't want anyone to look at me. I want to just eat in peace. And I'm like, can my birthday present please just be to not sit in this room? (laughs) My Uh, husband always asks me like what I want to do for my birthday. And every year I'm like, I want to sit in the bathtub with the lights off and eat a cake by myself. mm -hmm. That's what I do. That sounds amazing. Yeah. I usually like, I usually try and leave town. I've left the country before. Like I try and get away so that none of my friends try and like have anything for my birthday. Cause I just, I don't want it. I don't like it. It's just, it feels weird to like ask people to like go out and spend money because it's my birthday, but like yeah. I will gladly do it 10 times over for everyone else's birthday. It is just the weirdest, uh, personality trait, I guess. But yeah, I, I I've just been really stressed about it. And it sounds so like stupid and pathetic. (laughs) It's just like, I keep apologizing to everybody at work. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm still talking about this. I'm sorry. I'm still like being such a little baby about it. I'll get over it. Did you pick a place though? No, no. I have another (laughs) week. So my birthday is the 12th. Yeah. I started, my birthday is on a Tuesday and we are having the lunch on my birthday. And I started the, they're like two weeks before my birthday. So two Tuesdays before I started the Wednesday I started my search. Cause I was like, all right, pressure's on. We've got two weeks. I just, I don't like making decisions and yeah, it's just rough. Uh, but I did sign up for a fun thing neck for next weekend. Um, I'm doing a nine 11 Memorial stair climb. I did it oh, yeah. in 2017 out here and then 2018, 2019, 2020, 21, 22, all ha- I've had stuff going on during September or, was out of town or whatever. So I couldn't do it again. So I'm finally going to be able to do it again. I'm really excited. Um, they host it at salt river fields, which is where the diamondbacks oh, cool. and Rockies have their spring training. Um, also a fall league team is there. So we just climb like all of the bleachers up and down and it ends up equaling out 110 floors, which replicates, uh, or 
represents the 110 floors of each tower. Then when you're finished with the 110, they do say if you want to go around and do a second time for the second tower, uh, knock yourself out basically. So I'm really excited about that. I'll do that next that's Saturday. Awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. very cool. Yeah. 9-11 is like a, a weird part of my personality. Like I have a weird, I don't know if obsession is the right word, but um, my birthday is the 12th. So I don't know yeah. if it just impacted me differently. Um, but that yeah, I've just always been oh, very sure. fascinated and yeah. Watched well, we two 9-11 movies this weekend. So <laughs> We were at just, like a very impressionable age. I feel like depending on what age you were at when things like that happen, like it mm-hmm. impacts you differently too. But yeah, it could have been like 11 yeah. or yeah. It was, yeah, literally the day before my 12th birthday and I turned 12 on the 12th. And like, I don't yeah. even remember having like the golden birthday because nobody cared at that point, yeah. you know? <laughs> Like I couldn't even, my family couldn't even call me. Like the phones weren't like going through or whatever. Like phone lines were full. I couldn't get packages. It was, yeah. Yeah. Let's we make 9-11 about me. To like be <laughs> aware, but not old enough to fully grasp. Yeah. yeah. As if anyone really could. So yeah. Right. It's wild. Yeah. 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 So I'm really looking forward to that. I'd love, you know, being able to participate in any type of charity event. And I even said a couple few weeks ago when we talked about uh, me wearing the Cardinal baby blue shirt, even though I hate that color, uh, it was a free shirt that came with the Cardinals 5k. And there is a free shirt that comes with doing this event. And I said, then I will do anything for a free shirt. And here I am. I will do anything for a free shirt. You also wore that shirt again, like the next week. Probably. I wore it a lot. (laughs) So so as much as you hate the baby blue, you wear that shirt a lot. I like that shirt. I like the color baby blue. I just don't like it in their uniforms. Okay. So, so, so then is it okay in like normal Cardinal t-shirts or, um, I don't know. That <laughs> one was free. So I didn't go out of my way to right. purchase that. I would purchase a game. No, it's long sleeve. So I can't really wear it too many places, but I just, I don't know that I would go out of my way to buy something Cardinals that was baby blue. Okay. Like a jersey. Or anything else. Because I just feel like, I mean, a jersey, it's just representing the jersey. And it's just right. promoting yeah. it. Yeah. So my choice would be navy blue if I was going to go blue. But Okay. Yeah. Very interesting. We we will fight about this until the end of time. The <laughs> baby blues are ugly. I Rachel is, but I know, it's okay. I know. <laughs> All right, Kelsey, we are going to get to know you better. So take us back to the beginning How did you become a baseball fan and how did you become a St. Louis Cardinals fan? Well, it's a family thing, quite simply put. Uh, I actually interviewed my dad on an episode of my podcast, Peace, Love, and Baseball, uh, for Father's Day, like a Father's Day episode. So there's, you know, more detail into the story on that episode if you want to check it out. But I I was born a Cardinals fan. Uh, My grandpa was a huge Cardinals fan. He grew up in St. Louis, and one of his first part-time jobs was actually working the concessions at Sportsman's Park back in the 40s. Oh, nice. So Cardinals baseball was just like, it was always on at my grandparents' house. It was always on at my house growing up. And actually, to this day, I am quite certain that Danny Mac and Al Harbowski are like the voices that I have heard more uh, <laughs> in my life, like outside of maybe my mother and father. So I got really into following the game and the team more closely and like getting attached to specific players in the early 2000s. So right around the time that Albert Pujols showed up um, when I would have been like 11 or 12, I would actually make like Microsoft, I would use Microsoft Word 
and images that I had found on the internet to make fan art and I would print <laughs> them out and, and hang it on the walls of my bedroom all through oh. junior high and high school. And I, I, I like to point out that I was totally obsessed with Yadier Molina like by 2004 when he was the backup catcher for, for Michael mm-hmm. Feeney. So I think I had – I had this Yachty hat that had like rhinestones that said love Molina on it. I had a Yachty hat oh with a mark on it. I was like 14 or 15. So I do have I to say it. though that, okay, Matt Morris was my first yeah. crush ever in the history of the world, like in the late 90s. <laughs> I was fully convinced that he was going to leave his wife for me when I was like <laughs> nine or 10. Um, and that was really until Adam Wainwright came into my life in 2005 and mm. I was like Maddie Mohu. So I'm not going to pretend <laughs> that, you know, the baseball pants and dreamy dudes did not play into my initial dedication. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that it did, but ultimately like I learned to love the game because of the analytics. I really love the analytics and the strategy and all the nuances to the game of baseball that make it different than other sports, mm-hmm. at least to me. And I love that the game is long. I love that it's a long season. I have always valued, like, even as a child, I'm not really sure, like, where I got this from, but I've always valued, like, consistency and longevity. And somehow, even as a kid and a teenager, that was something that I thought was really cool and unique to the sport of baseball. Plus, we grew up going to St. Louis for family vacations every year. I grew up Mm -hmm. um, in central Illinois, like, right in between Chicago and St. Louis. So I was a few hours from each. And since my dad always had family in St. Louis and he had gone there a lot growing up, uh, there was also a great Six Flags there that we would go to. So Mm. I think going to a Cardinals game, you know, every summer – Once my brother, my younger brother and sister, especially once they got old enough to go and enjoy it too, that was like always associated with special, you know, happy times with my family. So it's just always been a part of my life. Well, I know your mom is a Cubs fan. Did she ever like try and recruit you or any of you guys? It was more so actually my my grandma, my mom's mom, who was most a diehard Cubs fan because – Uh, So both my parents grew up in central Illinois, right in between Chicago and St. Louis. And my mom's parents were um, from like the Galena, Illinois area, which is more like northern Illinois, as -hmm. opposed to than my dad's parents being from St. Louis. So my dad was way more like into baseball than my mom and and followed it a lot more. So I think that's why he ultimately kind of won us over and took control of where our fandom would lie, as all three of us kids are big Cardinals fans. But as I really got into it, I remember my grandma, Julie, being like, what's wrong with you? And wanting to have like really competitive conversations over being a Cubs fan. And she was really attached to certain players and she loved nothing more than the year that I moved to Chicago was in 2016 uh, when, when the Cubs finally won the World Series. And I'm really glad she got to see that. I was happy for her. Mm -hmm. But, you know, by then there was... No chance. I was, you know, full adult, fully dedicated. And yeah. yeah, I just, I couldn't be swayed. I mean, how really for, especially during our like formative years, there's no way that you could really have convinced anyone when they were already into the Cardinals to like be a Cubs fan. Right. Right. Yeah. No, just was not that. Appealing. Absolutely not. No. Do you have like a specific early baseball memory that sticks out to you? So I can't remember the first professional baseball game I went to specifically, 
but I definitely remember playing wiffle ball in the backyard and the house that I grew up in until I was in high school, we had a really big fenced in backyard and I definitely played wiffle ball a lot in the backyard with my dad and my brother. And my dad would like, you know, teach me how to stand and turn your toes <laughs> in and stuff. So I remember working on that with him and then like getting more interested in when he would have the baseball game on because I saw how, you know, it translated and, uh, my brother was a really good baseball player too. So mm-hmm. I also remember like going to the Peoria Chiefs games because I grew up like right outside oh, of Peoria, yeah. Illinois, um, where the Cardinals single A team is at. So they used to play actually at what is now the Bradley Collegiate Soccer Fields. So it's ne- the stadium that they have now downtown Peoria is like immaculate compared to what they played at <laughs> uh, really just like in the middle uh, off the side of the road, you know, uh, a cornfield that they wiped out that they used to play in when I was growing up. But they always had really good fireworks and good family fun there. So I remember going to see the Chiefs play growing up and then mm-hmm. sitting in the nosebleeds at Bush Stadium too every year mm. when it was yeah. super hot, probably in mid-July. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, those are those are core memories for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as the kids say, I still don't know if I understand core memory yet. But <laughs> what do you mean? What you don't understand it? No, I mean I just feel like there's so many things that like I see where it's like somebody doing something with their baby, and they're like she won't remember, but this is now a core memory. And I'm like, you're in the grocery mm. store. Like, okay. That doesn't make sense to me. I, don't, I okay. think that that's not right. I'm okay. a lot. Core I think memory. Cause I'm like, what is core memory? Mean? I feel like, I just feel like it's starting to get used so much and people use it like with their kids. And like, it's just like, they're just little things. Like they're swinging on the swings. And I'm like, maybe cause I don't have kids yet, but I just, I'm like, that's not a core yeah. memory. That's okay. Just- the definition is, When looked at scientifically, core memories are best described as emotional memories that resurface when emotion becomes dominant. So like something that an emotion is going to be directly tied to. Okay. I don't think going to a grocery store will be an emotional thing for anyone. No. But so I don't see, I don't know if that example is the best one. I'm going to, next time I see one of the, I see it on like Instagram reels a lot. So if I see one on Instagram reel, I'll send it to you guys and be like, and we can, we can be the judge of that. But yeah, I guess I think of it as like when I immediately, when I think of like being at Bush stadium as a kid, I feel the humidity in the air. I can like see, you know, the silver circles of the stadium around me. I can see my dad next to me. Like it's, you know, it takes me right back. Right. That's a core memory. That's okay. the definition. That's a, that's a real core memory. Yeah. Okay. Glad we cleared yes. that up. <laughs> yes. Me too. Um, so for your interest in like actively watching baseball, have you noticed that that's fluctuated at all throughout your life or has that been pretty consistent? That's a good question. It has definitely varied based on a couple different things. Like, first of all, depending on the accessibility that I've had to it. Mm-hmm as well as really the amount of free time that I've had to commit to it at different points in life. Um, From about ages like 11 or 12 to 15, I watched every game and kept score in my own way that I made up uh, (laughs) quite meticulously. (laughs) But then, you know, I got really into theater around like age 15, 16. I got had to get a summer job outside of school. So I just didn't have as much time to dedicate to it. I definitely still followed it, but I wasn't like watching every game. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Then I moved to New York City in my early 20s. I, I didn't have access to watching it on TV. I most certainly could not afford to pay for MLB TV <laughs> at that time. So I've had- well, Is New York City expensive? <laughs> um, being 22 anywhere is expensive. Yeah, these that's, days. that's fair. very true. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I've had different jobs, you know, whether it be like as an actor or even managing businesses where, you know, I've just been required to work more in the evenings. So mm-hmm. I, I've always followed and kept up with the team, but I didn't always consume it like as regularly. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, currently, you know, I have a very clear cut <laughs> conventional job. I also work from home most of the time and I'm proud to say that at 34, I can't afford MLB TV, at least for Yay. now. And, uh, I've always <laughs> lived out of market. So yeah. the accessibility thing, Sarah Sarah gets it. It's an issue. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad to to have access to that now and, and get to enjoy. I probably watch, mm-hmm. ooh, I mean, I probably watch like the entirety of about 140 out of 162 games, yeah. I would say. I'm pretty yeah. dedicated. So when so you couldn't dedicated. watch, uh, how would you check it? Like, what was your way of checking in with the team? Would you just like check Google or social media? What was your way of keeping up then? Yeah, I think I Googled most of the time until the mm-hmm. the MLB at bat app came into play, yeah. which I mean, I, it's so weird to think about because when I first moved to New York, I didn't even have a smartphone, you know? Yeah. And so now it's like hard to remember when <laughs> yeah. I didn't have the right. MLB at bat app. Right. Uh, but yeah. And I mean, I loved to, to talk to like when I would, you know, talk to my dad, I would always have him catch me up on, mm-hmm. on the best storylines and stuff of, you know, what was going on specifically with the players that I like to follow too. But yeah, it is crazy to think about like how to mm-hmm. keep up with everything before the days of, podcasts and Twitter. I don't know. Yeah. When I (laughs) I first, when I first joined Twitter, I was living in Alaska and we were taking a trip to LA, uh, to go to Disneyland for my ex's niece's fifth birthday, but we were going to do some like side events by ourselves. And so I was under the impression that celebrities were just out here tweeting, like I'm at the grocery store. I'm here. I'm there. (laughs) And so I was like, I'm going to get Twitter and I'm going to find out where Justin Timberlake is and I'm going to find him (laughs) and I'm going to run into him and I'm going to meet him. Well, that is not how Twitter works. And so it just sat dormant for a long time. And then when I was like getting more and more into it, um, the Twitter account for the Cardinals was so good about posting game updates they would tweet anytime something happened and I was working two jobs. I didn't have time to watch, but I had my phone on me. So I had their, their tweet notifications on and they were better than the MLB app notifications. And so like, I'd be at work and I would just like get them on my phone and check them real quick. Be like, okay, a single, a home run. Oh my gosh, a double play. Like that was like how I was like watching the game because I was yeah. getting all those updates and they were fun. They were fun tweets. I wish the Cardinals account was fun again, but yeah, I mean Me that was too. obviously like in the era of social media, but that was that was probably my favorite way of keeping up with them when I couldn't be terribly invested. I know I, know I talk about the Brewers a lot, but their socials are so much more fun. Like just some yeah. of the content that they put out, yeah, <clears throat> it's so fun to watch. Like it's just silly things that the guys do, yeah. and like them crashing the tailgates before the games. But it's just. Mm-hmm fun to see all like that behind the scenes i agree i I don't know who it is if it's if it's like their social media person or what it is but 
I've seen them, and I think it's been with the Brewers each time, or maybe it was a different team, but they were like standing there when the guys were coming into the field for the day and like giving them a fist bump. And then they turn their hand and there's like a candy or a cheese stick in it. And the guys Mm -hmm. all like grab it and they're all so excited. I'm like, that is just so fun. Why, (laughs) why is that so harmful? If you could just do that and have a little bit of fun, give us something to be excited about, but not our team. Yeah. Not our team. (laughs) So we love to talk about the human aspect of baseball and recognize there's more to humans than just baseball. So tell us, aside from being a huge baseball fan, who is Kelsey? What are your other passions in life? Who is Kelsey? (laughs) Very deep. (laughs) Deep. Just send me into existential crisis here because I just had a birthday myself a few weeks Mm -hmm. ago. But um, well, Sarah kind of mentioned in her her lovely intro of me that made me seem so much cooler than I am. <laughs> I have been a singer since before I could talk, I think. Um, so I have worked professionally as a singer and an actor, and that is a huge passion that I still have in my life. Um, so while pursuing performance as like my primary source of income does not necessarily align with the other things that I really want in life, like, you know, a family and financial stability and all that good stuff, um, yeah. it, it is... It is still, there's also just a lot about the nature of the industry, I should add, that I have chosen to like not subject myself to um, for my Mm -hmm. own happiness and well-being, but it's still something that is very near and dear to me, and I hope to continue to find ways to incorporate it into my life, whether it's, you know, professionally or as a hobby and a passion, but I love musicals. Um, I also love singing classic rock music. Uh, I have that connection with my dad as well. While he never pursued it professionally in any capacity, he is uh, quite the musician himself. And uh, he played in a classic rock band for a while. So I know that's where I get a big part of my love of baseball and music from mm. as well. Um, I love trying to dance, even though like I've always been more of a, a singer and an actor. I say like I'm a singer, actor, dancer, but I do really <laughs> I love trying to dance. I think I find a lot of fun. Is that, in it. Uh, is that what they call a triple threat? Yeah, I'm like a, a double and a half threat or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> okay. okay. But uh, I also supplemented my income at, as an actor for many years in the fitness industry. And while again, like I'm not the biggest advocate for the industry itself, you know, fitness and health and wellness is something that I'm very passionate about. Um, it's a big part of my everyday life. I love it as a way to connect with, with other people and the way that you know, prioritizing movement and the habits that just make you feel good and truly promote yeah. uh, living a well-balanced life is something that, you know, I like to prioritize. And I wish that there was, you know, I, I am, I guess I am more passionate about changing the narrative around fitness because yeah. it really is for everyone at every stage mm-hmm. of life. And it's not talked about or shown that way, at least in the mainstream. So it's not the way that it's sold to us, but mm-hmm. uh, it is the way that I consume it and I like to talk about it. And um, yeah, so that's that's movement is, you know, a mm-hmm. big part of, of my life as well. And I'm also a huge animal lover. I can't Ugh. go without mentioning that. Um, I have a rescue cat who is 11 that I adopted when oh. I lived in New York. Because when I moved to New York, it was the first time in my life. So I grew up with dogs and a cat. It was the first time in my life that I didn't have a pet really it, around me. Um, and so I lived in New York for six months before I broke down and adopted a cat. So I still have my, <laughs> my cat, Raja. Aww. And then I also have two rescue dogs <sighs> that are like the lights of my everyday life. 
and I love spending time. Yes. I love spending time outside when I can, you know, the few months out of the year that it's enjoyable here in Northern Illinois with Mm -hmm. my dogs and my husband. So yeah. Do you only have, do you only have the one cat? I thought I you do. Had I, I just cats have one cat. He is the size of oh. three cats, so maybe that's okay. Right. He is <laughs> twenty. He's about twenty-two pounds. So, oh yeah. my god! Oh my god! He's a big dude. Oh. <laughs> Everyone Love else it. has pets. Here I am. Pets. My I maybe Sarah. So, so I adopted my cat um, mm-hmm. with my my roommate at the time, and oh, so okay. she adopted his brother. And so I have a lot of okay. pictures of them together, oh. and I've probably okay. shared those in the past. Maybe that's so. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Raja and Miko, Disney Aww. names. Love them. Yeah. Yeah, we need to get Haley an animal. Rachel lives in a zoo. Kelsey's got yeah. all the animals. <laughs> I, I'm basically, just... I'm building my zoo. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Haley, trying to get her on board with the cat, but. Do yeah. you have you had animals growing up? Do you have like an attachment to that at all? Um, we had cats at my mom's. Well, we had a cat. And then whenever that cat died a few years ago, she got two cats. So I like, I've been around cats and I would love to have a couple cats, but I've just gone so much that I would yeah. feel bad, like never being yeah. home, having to find someone else to come take care of them. Cause I have probably been gone this summer, at least two or three weekends of every month. So yeah. it's just like, when can I? Yeah. But that's the nice thing about cats is they don't really care. They really are so much more self-sufficient. You do need someone probably to come and just make sure that they have food and water and a clean litter box. But I mean, they have apps for that now, like the Rover app or whatever is more for dogs, I think. But I think people can do cats. The other problem is that we're renting and they want to charge so much a month Mm -hmm. per, per animal. It's like an extra $50 a month per animal plus the deposit on top of it. Oh, and I'm gosh. just like, yeah. and if I get a cat, I'm going to have two cats. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not oh, going to yeah. pay $100 a month to have yeah. cats in yeah. my home. That's so difficult. We're just kind of waiting until we move potentially one day, but yeah, I would love to have some animals. I know. Maybe we'll get Stay you like tuned. a pet rock or something in the meantime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I had a plant that Michael just had to get rid of today because it died. Oh. And okay. so he had to take it outside. He's like, I didn't want you to see it. So I took it outside for you. <laughs> I, I didn't Aww. have you say goodbye because I thought it would be too hard. <laughs> Listen, Aww. I'm not good at keeping plants alive either. Like I take the yeah. most care of my pets, but my pets can like tell me when they're hungry mm-hmm. and like right. remind me they're yeah. alive. And like the, the plant. Just plants are so finicky too. Like, like you can do the same thing for yes. weeks and then all of a sudden they're like, no, I don't like that much water anymore. I'm dead. Yeah. It's like, they're oh, divas. okay. Sorry. Oh. They really are. Well, and you <laughs> do I have had it for like a year and a half. So that's good. That's better than Thank I've you. ever done. Yeah. Uh, you do have your Adam Wainwright face. That's basically like a pet in your house. So <laughs> oh my God. I, I had a shirt on a hanger in our house and he like put the head on like where the <laughs> neck of the shirt was. <laughs> oh. He got himself really good laughing at that, but that's fun. But yeah. He, uh, he, I got home from the road last week and I noticed that it it has a home now but he's oh. now turned the face around so whenever he walks into the room he doesn't see the face so he just gradually he is making sure that it does not scare him <laughs> I can I can understand I can yeah, I can fair. approve that but it's Wayno how can that face scare you I know he's pretty and scary. it's a picture of him in like 2005 so like oh, really baby Adam baby yeah. Adam oh yeah baby Adam 
Okay, this is There Is Crying in Baseball. So every week we like to talk about the things that made us cry in baseball. Uh, We have to skip our girl, Rach, because she's not with us. Um, But let's let our guest go first. Kelsey, what made you cry this week in baseball? Oh, man. I tweeted this to the Crying in Baseball account because Mm. it got me right away. On uh, the August 29th game against the... The Padres? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, who are we even playing these days? It doesn't I really matter. Padres, we yeah. usually lose. But anyway, <laughs> the August 29th game against the Padres, we didn't lose. And uh, what really made me emotional in that game specifically was Wilson Contreras' parents got to see him play oh. as a Cardinal in person for the first time. Mm-hmm. So he was interviewed mm-hmm. after the game. And like during the game, it wasn't something that I think anybody was necessarily aware of. I wasn't hearing any talk about it or reporting on it, but he hit a solo home run in the sixth inning of that game. And then he hit a two run home run to tie the game (sighs) in the ninth. And he was interviewed after the game about it. And the first thing that he shared, like right off the bat was that his parents were here and how meaningful that was uh, for them to see him play for the first time. And that just really got me because, I mean, he said, like, they are the reason why I'm here. Like, you know, I have them mm-hmm. to thank for everything. And I think having that kind of relationship with your parents is super cool. And I'm fortunate enough to have that with my parents. And it just made me think of um, when I booked the one of the biggest acting contracts that I've had um, the first thing I did was call my dad and tell him about it. And to this day, that's mm-hmm. like one of those, you know, not to overuse the word core memory, but I remember, <laughs> you know, where I was at, like it was raining, what I was mm-hmm. wearing, like I could go right back oh. there. Um, and it was just something that like, I remember thinking, I, this is a moment I always dreamed about and I never, you know, knew for sure. There is no yeah. guarantee that something like that is going to happen. So it, you know, made me reminisce about, that a moment like that for myself and man after everything that Wilson Contreras has been through this year this season like he signed a massive awesome killer free agent contract and that's what he should be celebrating this season right and so it was just good to see him kind of have that moment with his family at Bush Stadium and he said uh, he had a lot of great quotes and you know good takes that um, our reporters shared but he said you know, this is my house. And he felt like he could mm. really take ownership of it. And having his parents there, you know, really yeah. made that a full circle moment for him and let yes. him settle in, you know, after this crazy season and all the the drama that's right. that he has so graciously been able to just constantly put behind him. So yes. me and my husband were sitting in the living room watching that that together on the post game and we just like both looked at each other with like the biggest, dumbest smiles on our face and we're oh. like, oh man. Yes. Yeah. That's what it's all we about. We love so. we love a parent moment on yes, there's crying in baseball. Really so do. yes. That's so great. that's mine. Um Haley, do you have a parent moment too? Should we just keep it going? I do have a parent moment too. <laughs> so uh Darius Vines is a pitcher for the uh, <gasps> Braves. I almost said Brewers. I have Brewers. I thought you were going to say Brewers. And I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> Tyler's going to kill you. No, I know. He, every time I post anything about the Brewers, he is just ready to attack. But <laughs> yes. anyway, he's a pitcher for the Braves. He had his debut, um, gosh, four or five days ago against Colorado. He went six innings and he had five strikeouts, which is super oh. awesome. And they talked to his mom and his mom 
was just like sobbing while they were interviewing her. She could not hold it together. They were just asking how exciting it was for them. And she shared um, about a memory of like whenever he was four years old saying that one day he was going to be a professional baseball player. And when she got to that point, she couldn't keep it together. It was so sweet to see how emotional she was and how excited she was for him. And just the fact that like, you know, the things that you dream of when you're so young, like to wait that long in your life and it finally mm-hmm. comes true, just how special that has to be for him, yeah. but also his whole family. So mm-hmm. totally. That, yeah. That was my moment. Yeah. Week. I feel like a lot of mom, not moms, but parents will like not. And I feel like this has a negative connotation. I don't mean it in a negative way, but they kind of like project their dreams onto their kids. Like they, yeah take their kids to little league because they're like, I want them to, you know, love this sport or become, you know, Mm -hmm. go into the pros or something. And so to like watch them get to that point, or maybe it was just, she knew he was passionate and had that dream. And she was probably taking him to all of his practices and games and interleague things. And, you know, there's so much time and commitment that goes into that. So I feel like for the parents, it's just as big and special as for the players. Yeah, for sure. Every time mm-hmm. that Rachel talks about being a crazy little league mom, shout out to Rach. Um, yeah. I relate to that so hard. Like, yeah. I, oh, I yeah. can see that in my future. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it will always be important to me that my kids are having fun mm-hmm. and they want to do it. But I agree. I think the dedication that it takes and just the seeing them through all those phases of mm-hmm. life of course you're going to have that level of attachment to it. It's such a sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. My friend at work, her son plays hockey and she's like there. It's like not for the school. It's like for a club. So it's like a little higher level Mm -hmm. and she's like the manager. So she has to do a lot with them and just like her whole life is this hockey team. And like granted she's the manager. So it's a little more involved than I think just a regular parent, but just seeing everything that she does to put into his love of hockey. I'm like, if he ever makes it to like yeah. for a professional, she's going to lose her mind. And I hope that I'm there to film her because her reactions mm-hmm. are so funny, but yeah, it's such, it's such a sacrifice for the parents and we love seeing it come true for them too. Cause it's big for them. Yeah, for sure. Sarah, what was your moment this week? Uh, my moment, I guess is another parent moment in a way. Uh, Tommy Edmund is going to be a dad soon. So there you um, go. That dad there we go. a little early. That is yes. a, it's a, it's a loose, loose connection, but you know what? We're going with it. Uh, Tommy two walk-offs is what I'm calling him. He yeah. walked it off two days in a row against the Padres. Um, I just, I have been really, really detached. And I think we've all talked about that on here. Just not really giving in the effort. I'll come home sometimes because the games usually start while I'm still at work. And then by the time I get home, they've usually already thrown the game away. And I'm like, what's the point of turning this on and sitting here? I could do so many other things. Cause I tell myself, I'm just going to put it on. I'm not going to sit here and like commit time to it, but then I just sit there and watch it and I don't do anything else. So if I don't turn it on that, I can do the other things that I need to do when I get home. So I finally did put these games on to watch them And I did tweet something that is a little dark, but my comparison is like when you're in like a big fight with somebody like a parent or your significant other and things have been tense and you guys don't want to apologize and there's just this tension in the house, you pass each other, you don't say hello, you don't talk, it's just, 
you know, formalities to get through the day. And then something happens and you guys laugh together and you're like, oh yeah, I love this person. And that's what that feeling was like at the end of that first game was just like, (laughs) that was so deep. I know. Right. I'm so deep. Um, but I'm like, I do love this team. Like they have brought me so much misery in the last four or five months, but I really do at my core. I love Tommy Edmond. I love Wilson Contreras. I love everybody on our team except maybe Drew Verhagen, but that's a different story. And the other four pitchers, I can't even remember who they are that we just <laughs> added to the team. But yeah, it was it was very it was very powerful, very poignant. And I sat down and just had that moment. And then the next day, it happened again. I was like, oh my gosh, we are winning the World Series. And I just I had that love <laughs> come back for just a moment. And then they went back to their just normal hygiene. But yeah. <laughs> But I do still love them with my entire heart. But it was just, it was like that relief, you know, when you're just like, there's so much stress and tension and then you finally get to release it. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is, this is nice. It was just so, good to I see was, all of them smiling again. I know. Like the camaraderie of the team. It was like, yeah, this exists. And right? why we love yeah. it. Yeah. Because there have been some wins lately where it's like they come out to like do their high fives, but they all just still seem dead. So they were yes. all actually like happy. And yeah. I miss that. I was so sad to, I've missed every game in the last week, just being on the road and then being in Memphis. So I was really yeah. sad to miss those two games because yeah. I saw the the videos of it after the fact and it just looked like it was so much fun to watch. I uh, I don't know that the rest of the game was fun to watch, but the endings were fun to watch. And the, the my inner it delusional, it. it did. And my inner delusional, you know, I always think every single game they're going to do that in the ninth. Every game I'm like, they're going to come back. They're going to win. They're going to tie it. They're going to do something. They're going to walk it off. And they never do. So the fact that my, like, inner delusional was satisfied as well, it's just – I have great. like so really happy weird you. feelings in those instances. Like I feel like mm-hmm. I know, like in the moment, yeah. I'm like, I just know they're not going to do anything right now. Or I, I know they are. And I did have mm-hmm. that good feeling. But I think yeah. Tommy Edmund is a big part of that That for me. I have very yeah. big attachment to him. And Nothing. I can't say he's my favorite player because I have – because also like Nolan Gorman and Tyler O'Neill and Adam Wainwright and everyone. But mm-hmm. – so I can't pick – one, but he is definitely yeah. like one of my favorites, and he is one of the best reasons to watch any Cardinals yeah. game. Like, you're always going to see Tommy do something that makes you love baseball. Yes, we yeah. love Tommy. Tommy to walk offs. Yeah. <laughs> New name. That is his name. Tommy to bags. So they, they have had four walk offs this season. And I think, I think so. one of the other ones was him, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They the said it was his, like, I think. Yeah, he had three. Yeah. He's had three of the four and then the two in a row. And they were gunning for three in a row. But, you know, we're Cardinals fans. We can't have anything good happen to right. us that right. that good right. on that not scale. Too much. Yeah. That would have fully restored the devil magic. And right? that's just have not that. even of use at this point in the season. No. So let's just save right. it. Let's save it for later. We are going to hit you with some rapid fire questions that kind of uh, stay on theme with there is crying in baseball. So uh, to start, let us in behind the curtain. How would you describe your crying style? You cry cry often, frequently, seldom, rarely, never. Mm. I would have to say perhaps a little more often than rarely. Like it's way more regular for me to cry over something joyful or that gives me the feels like our crying moments today were great examples. Mm -hmm. Like it's way more likely that I would get emotional about Mm -hmm. something like that. I will 110% of the time cry at a proposal or a wedding, um, uh, you know, 
feel good moment in sports, but it is not super often that I cry tears of sadness. I guess I'm just fortunate okay. at this point in my life. Um, but it, yeah, it, takes me, it, it takes a lot to get me down to the point where I would like actually cry in sadness, but I'm a sap. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hey. Yeah. Is there a moment in baseball that it's made you laugh until you cry? You know, not one that I can think of off the top of my head. Sometimes Jim Edmonds says things that make me just like burst mm. out in laughter because I can't believe he said them. So that would be like the thing <laughs> that I would think of off the top of my head. Rapid fire. Okay. Rapid fire. Um, is there a moment? I know you just said you don't cry tears of sadness, but is there a moment in baseball that has made you close to crying tears of sadness? The one that I can think of, again, is like when Edwin Diaz got hurt in the World Baseball Classic. Oh, so any, yeah. like if a player is significantly injured to the point, especially mm-hmm. when it's a player who has that kind of excitement and potential around them, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that is like taken away from them in a moment, that is something that would get me emotional to the point yeah. of like feeling that sadness for them. So anytime a player is significantly injured or mm-hmm. – um, and I mean, I guess when, you know, like, you know, you're watching Yadier Molina playing his last game, like that's kind of sadness, but it's still, to me, it's still like, mm-hmm. you know, joyful and yeah. more joyful and meaningful and, you know, cry because it happened, not because it's over. Oh. That's not so, what they say, but what, what we say here, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, right? absolutely. <laughs> Is there a moment in baseball that has made you cry tears of joy? There's many. So I guess I'm just going to list a few that are more recent. Um, The last time I remember, besides when I was like definitely welling up watching the Wilson Contreras postgame that I referred to earlier this past week, Michael Lorenzen's no hitter for the Phillies. Like I was just stuck dead in my tracks watching all of the postgame coverage from the moment, you know, he clinched it and made it happen and Loved everything surrounding that. Um, at, I was at Yachty and Albert's last home game last season oh. and the whole like pregame ceremony. Like I was just standing there amongst, you know, 40,000 other fans were all crying. Um, every time I hear God's country, like period, oh. I'm crying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty easy for th- those meaningful moments always make me mm-hmm. well up at least with tears of joy. Yeah. Is there a moment in baseball that has made you cry, like angry or frustrated tears? So the closest that I think I've been to this is I, anger is not an emotion that I am super familiar with, honestly. Like it takes mm-hmm. a lot to make me mad, like especially yeah. something that I really hold on to. But I'm, I'm getting worked up just thinking about it. My blood pressure is going up, gals. <gasps> I was really upset when the bullpen blew Adam Wainwright's lead against the Diamondbacks uh, at the end of July. And then the last two starts where where Waino has not been able to get any run support to save anyone's life. So yeah. those that that has made me truly angry and not like at anyone specifically. I'm not right. like, you know, curse all these Nolan Gorman and Tyler O'Neill and go down the lineup and hate everyone and I can't do it. Like no, Fire everyone. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't have that kind of anger. I'm not mm-hmm. irrational. I am okay. Right. But yes. <laughs> I, it makes me angry for him and just for like the circumstances of this season. Yeah. It, it brings up all those bad feelings. So It's so mm-hmm. frustrating. Yeah. It's like beyond words frustrating. It's just 
yeah, we could get into a whole side tangent. (laughs) Yeah. So in conclusion, do you believe that there is crying in baseball? Obviously. Yes. I I love everything about the emotion behind the game. And you're doing very important work here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. So this next one is inspired by our girl, Rachel, who is the queen of rants. What is something that you can rant about either good or bad until you're blue in the face about baseball? So this is pretty broad and Mm -hmm. maybe it's very idealistic of me, but I just think it is really ridiculous and pointless to be unkind, mean, disrespectful, whether it's to the players or other fans, like it's just a waste of energy and it takes Mm -hmm. away from like, it's a sport, it's a game. It's supposed to be America's favorite pastime. Like there is joy and camaraderie and kids are here. It's a family thing. Like why do we have to be mean and hateful Mm -hmm. And in general, I just like don't think there's really a whole lot of room for that or necessity for that in the world. So, yeah, yeah I really don't appreciate it uh, in the space where we're all trying to consume and enjoy something together, no matter how mm-hmm. bad the game gets. Right. Uh, I also think I could probably go on quite a bit for why I believe that baseball is superior like to other sports and why I wish more people were into it. And it makes me really mad when – I see people being like, well, thank God it's almost time for football or like who even cares, you know, like uh, it's July, it's time for football, like forget about the Cardinals. And I'm like, absolutely not. Like, no, that that really strikes a nerve with me. So I think if I was going to have an endless rant, it would be on those two things. Two great, great things. I can get behind those rants. Agreed. Inspired by our Are You Okay segment, what is the most unhinged baseball fan take you've seen on the internet or in person? Oh, man. Uh, Well, okay, I'll give a really general one (laughs) and then a couple specifics because really any time that there is like a direct attack on someone's character, appearance, etc., a lot of times based on them having a differing opinion on sports than you, like from fan to fan, or, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously there's a lot of really horrible things that are said to and at the the players. And that is just, I'm, again, I'm going to refer you back to what is it? Episode 11 where Rachel does her Wainwright rant. I think so. 11 or 12. Yeah. I mean, absolute mic drop. Like there is no better, nothing more to be said about it than everything that she said, but that's like a really good, you know, all of the words, all of the thoughts, she put them so succinctly and said it perfectly. But yeah, in general, that is is very unhinged to me because mm-hmm. it's one thing to like say something in the heat of the moment. But when you post it on the internet, like you have at the very least had to type it out and see mm-hmm. it and think about mm-hmm. it and not, like sit with it at least for a hot second to where you thought this is something that not only is a thought that I'm having, but a thought that I want to share and then put it out there for people I don't even know to consume and interact with and, you know, potentially affect them. So yeah, I just think that's human trash behavior and it is by far 
the worst thing, you know, in general. Yes. Uh, I also had a specific instance uh, recently where I saw uh, my friend Jana, who's one of the co-hosts of Babes Babes. She is a Yankees fan, uh, mm-hmm. which you know, unhinged. Am I right? No, just kidding. <laughs> um, but she said uh, she tweeted something like a couple months back. The uh, Yankees DFA'd Aaron Hicks, I believe, and then he was picked mm-hmm. up by the Orioles. So he plays for the Orioles mm-hmm. now. The Orioles came and played at Yankee Stadium, and all of the Yankees fans were booing Aaron Hicks. And she tweeted something like, you know, let's have some class Yankees fans, like, stop booing Hicks. And someone responded to her on Twitter and told her to keep her feminine energy out of sports. And (sighs) I just thought that was a good thing to share, like, on this podcast specifically, (sighs) on this, you know, solidarity of all of us, like, women in sports together, because anything insinuating that, like, being soft or enjoying the human side of sports uh, as that being like a character flaw or something negative is just something I absolutely do not have time for. And also just like the whole like women don't belong in sports conversation is so tired. It's done. It's over. Like I'm not sure what decade you're living in, but we're all here. And uh, are you okay? I don't think so. (laughs) No. So, uh, but I will say uh, another kind of Yankees, uh, another Yankees fan one. Uh, one time someone did try to legitimately argue with me that Josh Donaldson is a better third baseman than Nolan Arenado, and that was <laughs> very, very unhinged. <laughs> oh, my gosh. not okay. So I don't Rich. think I'll ever forget that. Didn't he just get DFA'd? <laughs> <laughs> he, he did. And this was – at first I was like, are you joking? And then, no, they were, like, legitimately oh trying gosh. to have this dialogue with me. And I was like, I'm not sure how to entertain <sighs> this because it's yeah. not – you know, I'm all for, did, like, a healthy debate, but no. No. Did y'all see the video – it was like a compilation of all of his uh, bat flips that weren't even home runs. Oh, no. oh my gosh, no! <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to send it to you. It's so Please. funny. It's every time he like swings a bat, flips it, and it's either caught or just like dropped somewhere, and oh he ends up having gosh. to run. Oh, it's so funny. I, love I think that. one of to kind of wrap this. Are you okay? Up one of the things that really first got me recognizing that like there are these kinds of people in every corner of the internet was, you know, any time that men take Sarah too seriously and try to call her out or argue or mansplain anything to her. So to all of you, are you okay? We know they're not. They are not. They're not okay. I I can confirm they are not okay. (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. Good times. All right. Our last one is inspired by our rally drink of the week. Uh, what is your go-to beverage when you're watching baseball? And does that vary depending on if you're watching at home or in person? Ooh, this is a good one. Uh, a craft beer. It it doesn't necessarily have to be like the most fancy or exclusive thing ever. Like I'm good with a 312 or a, a line and Kugel summer shandy. But if I have a choice, like I love drinking a craft beer from a local brewery, uh, whether I'm at the game, and that's like definitely – Definitely if I'm drinking at home. Um, mm-hmm. I like a wide variety of craft beers, you know, stouts, wheat ales, red ales, cream ales are some of my favorites, uh, porters, amber ales, basically all ales that are not IPAs. I'm like generally not an IPA fan, but okay. yeah, there's nothing okay. like a good cold beer and a baseball game, right? Absolutely. I agree with that for sure. I'm not the biggest beer drinker, so I can't get fully on board, but I support everybody else in there choice of beverage. I think I'm totally on board. That's a good 
question of like, is it the same whether you're watching or at home? What about you, Haley? Would you have the same thing at home? Uh, probably not. It might vary so much though nowadays, but mm-hmm. if I'm at a game, I usually, I always go for the $5 beers because yeah. it's just, why would you not? So right. that's usually my beverage of choice at a game. And I'll occasionally get like a margarita or like one of those frozen mm-hmm. ones if it's really hot. Yeah. But at home I make a lot of cocktails. I'll have wine. I'll have beer. Just mix it up. Kelsey, did you say what your choice is at a game in person? Yeah. I mean, I would seek oh. out, I will actively seek out a beer that is not like Miller Lite, Bud Light, okay. Budweiser. Um, okay. Anything really other than that. And I think that's because it's not that I won't drink it because I will, especially if it's like really hot and I, or I don't want to get up, you know, and it's the mm-hmm. only thing available to me. But yeah. I just, I've never been someone who like drinks to drink as much as I can. Like I genuinely yeah. enjoy the taste of beer and, and wine and whatever, you know, if I'm going to enjoy a mixed beverage, uh, mm-hmm. I want to actually like enjoy it. So yes. I would, yeah, I would just rather seek out a, a beer that I'm going to enjoy drinking. And actually that's what Absolutely. I was doing when Adam Wainwright started singing the national anthem on opening day <laughs> when I was at the game. Uh, oh, I was man. actively seeking out a beer that was not Bud Light because uh, I just needed it before the game. And I was mm-hmm. waiting in line at Budweiser Terrace and I – saw him come on this the TV screen out and I ran oh out of gosh. line. Yeah. Dad speed ahead I, to uh I would get out of line for Adam Wainwright to yeah. see I actually I'm glad I didn't have a beer in my hand yet because I was so excited. I think I would have just like thrown whatever I had <laughs> out of my hands and Yeah. Guys, whenever out. Memphis was in town, he was rehabbing. This is like gosh, five years ago now. I might have told the story already. I don't remember. But he was rehabbing with Memphis. They were in Nashville. I went to the game. I got their lakes. I was working. I ordered my food, looked up at the screen, realized he was pitching. I left my food. I didn't even go back to get my oh food. My I gosh. bought it and left it. <laughs> and I went running. I called my mom while I was running. And she's oh. like, okay, maybe don't like call me while you're running through the ballpark and people are staring at you. Then I called my grandpa and I was sitting right behind the dugout and I swear Adam could hear me. Oh. So I was like, Poppy, he's right in front of me. Oh. <laughs> like, it was so, oh my gosh. I Yeah, I would do anything to not miss him pitching or singing. That's for sure. Fully yeah, endorse so. that. A craft beer is worth it, but not if you're going to miss Wayno. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Got to draw the line. Well, Kelsey, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a real joy and pleasure to have you. Um, if you haven't checked out Kelsey's podcast, make sure you go and do that. She's got peace, love, and baseball, not as your dad liked to call it, love, peace, and baseball, um, <laughs> which, you know, we love that. Very, very uh, popular, obviously. <laughs> yes, out every Tuesday. And we've got, you said, Babes, Babes comes out a couple times a month. Yeah. Um, anywhere else that people can find you? Plug your, plug your, plug your spots. Yeah. I mean, really just, if you follow me on Twitter, which is Twitter, it's not whatever anyone else wants to call it. It's Twitter forever. Uh, I am at K bird tweets. That's B U R D K bird tweets. Uh, and if you follow me there, I got my link tree where you can find just about everything else that I do. And I am celebrating one year of peace, love and baseball this week. So congratulations. Exciting. Yeah. Great way to, to promote it and to celebrate one year. Absolutely. Love it. 
And thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you for your support. Don't forget to like and subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend. You can find us on all socials at Crime Baseball. And we uh, release new episodes every Wednesday. We can't wait to cry with you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.